Welcome to Body Matters Podcast, where we bring to you raw and inspiring content on all things to do with body positivity and eating disorder recovery. But before we begin, I'd like to acknowledge Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people as traditional people and traditional owners of this country. We acknowledge with gratitude First Nations communities for their continuing care and connection to the lands or waters with which they have protected for thousands of years. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging and recognise that First Nations sovereignty was never ceded. Okay, take it away, Emily. Thanks so much, Belinda. Um, and thanks everyone for coming today. Um, it's really, it's really lovely to have this sort of opportunity where we can really discuss our experiences in a very open way. Um, I feel like for me, a lot of my healing is due to the people that were sort of around me and were able to provide these safe spaces for me to share my story and hear other people as well. So just really want to thank you for creating this space. Um, so my name's Emily, my pronouns are they, them. Before I break into my story, I'd just really like to share a little bit about who I am today. Um, during the day, you'll usually find me probably doing a lot of volunteering and a lot of mental health work. Um, but in my spare time, I do go on a lot of food adventures too. <laughs> At night, you'll usually find me just hanging out with my friends, playing video games. We usually play a lot of like serious games, but at the moment we're playing this very silly, cute farm game and I'm in charge of looking after the fruit trees, which is really sweet. But thanks so much for having me here today. Um, I'm just gonna be sharing my own experiences. So if you have any questions about that, feel free to put them in the chat. I'm a total open book. Um, but of course, if you do ask something that I feel uncomfortable about, don't worry. I'll I'll say that. Um, and if you do want to ask them anonymously, like Belinda said, you can message her in the chat um, and she can read them out afterwards. Like Jesse said, if there is anything that comes up for you, um, it might be something that I've shared that might trigger something for you or remind you of something. Um, it could be pretty tough to hear. So if it gets too intense, please feel free to take a breather if you need. Um, growing up, I was always surrounded by other people's expectations. People always expected me to stand out for the right reasons get good grades or a fancy job and a high salary or find a good husband or try to be skinny enough. And I always tried to fit into those expectations. I think after some time, it felt like no matter how hard I tried, I would always end up feeling like I was letting someone that I cared about down. On the outside, you wouldn't think anything was really wrong. I seemed completely quote unquote normal, but on the inside, I was slowly starting to struggle with ways that even I found really hard to notice. When I was about 12, I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety. And I think it was around the time as well that a lot of my friends and I were first getting our social media accounts and first being kind of aware of our bodies as people and commenting a lot on our appearances. My experiences particularly of anxiety are really pervasive. Um, so my anxious thoughts of overthinking everything leaked into what I thought of myself physically. I started being afraid to wear shorts and I fantasized that to look like the other kids and the diet culture at the time really got to me. I think what's really insidious about the diet culture was I didn't really know what was happening at the time. And I think people can kind of acknowledge that things like fat phobia are really harmful, but for me, it was the subtle things like, when people equate beauty to weight loss, like small comments like, you're so skinny and pretty, or you look great because you've lost weight. Um, and I think for me, like that came with a lot of intrusive thoughts. I started 
basing my worth off of numbers that I saw in scales. And I seem to all only care about numbers. I lost myself down rabbit holes of calories and exercise. And when I thought about food, I think the first thing that came to mind was the numbers again. It wasn't family or friends or nourishment. I think for me, that was really distressing because I had this kind of imposter syndrome because I looked like everything was totally fine. Um, I didn't feel like I was sick enough. I didn't feel like any of the stereotypical portrayals of someone with an eating disorder. And it, it got so bad, like to the point of, you know, I would be brushing my teeth and my brain would say like, have you thought about how many calories are in that toothpaste? <laughs> I think through that sort of journey and through a lot of healing, um, I've also realized that my culture came into it a fair bit. And I come from a refugee and a migrant culture where food is a part of like the way of showing love. Um, my parents weren't very verbal with their ways of affection for me or saying that they were proud of me. I think the primary way that they sort of expressed love and that I received it was in the form of meals. So if I did well in school, my family would make me like a bowl of soup or if I have relatives over, we would make this really big dish together. And when I started experiencing struggles like with my family and with interpersonal relationships, I started to reject the love that they gave me, which was often in the form of meals. And I think the real breaking point for me was honestly, I have been volunteering in mental health since I was 12. I, I knew what eating disorders were, but I didn't think I had them. Um, at about the age 15, 16, I started experiencing these really intense physical symptoms like sleeping for ages but still feeling tired or being cold all the time or getting more sick and I thought a lot of it at the at that time was really just due to the things that I was already diagnosed with um I thought it was my depression and my anxiety because there's a lot of overlap in the symptoms and I think that that's something that isn't spoken about enough is that there's there's so many things that go overlooked because we often just attribute them to other things that we already know but looking back on that sort of first stage of my life of when I first started experiencing eating disorders, I think the hardest thing for me was the feeling of being a burden, like always being scared of letting the people I know know about it and finding out and like having to make them worry about it. I had to like miss out on events because I was too tired of like wanting to avoid food. And it was really just so difficult because I felt so guilty for what I was doing, not just to myself, but to the people around me. But for me, like healing looks completely different for everyone. Um, I went through some amazing talk therapy that really managed a lot of the intrusive thoughts. I've really unlearned a lot of knowing things like restriction is not an accomplishment. And I started valuing myself for a lot more than just the numbers. I think the healing from that type of traumatic event wasn't just the weekly sessions though. It was also creating safety everywhere that I went. For me, that was like finding people with shared lived experiences. I found like, like online forums or like friend groups. And when I was going through everything for the first time, I can't tell you how great it was to hear just from people that were just like me. I think the medications and the therapies had helped me to an extent, but for me, the catalyst was finding other people who really understood what I was feeling because they had lived it. I think in those types of groups as well was also the first time I'd seen people of color and queer people talk about mental health. And I grew up in predominantly quite closed community. And so I didn't really understand how 
my culture or my queerness could kind of influence these types of things. But for the first time, by finding those communities, it felt like I really didn't have to be alone. I My life kicked into full gear after that sort of stuff. Um, I got my first full-time job. I graduated from uni. I moved to Melbourne um, from WA and I was absolutely loving life. Um, I, I thought that I was recovered, full stop. <laughs> but I soon learned that like it doesn't work like that. Um, for me, my sort of journey with eating disorders are definitely going to be a lifelong thing. Um, when I moved to Melbourne, it was actually like around August 2019. Um, and that was a couple months just before the lockdowns hit. I think for me, that's when I realized that my eating disorders were a way of control. Um, it was a way of coping with something else. And at times in my life where I feel like I can't control other things, I can control my diet. Um, and so I think that it's kind of like the first thing to go. Um, and so I started relapsing. I think one of, that's one of the hardest things that they don't talk about with eating disorders. Um, well, that, at least I didn't hear about that much until I got into advocacy was how hard it is to really relapse. And it's really hard because after you've tried so hard to get better, it feels like you've kind of failed yourself again. And I felt like I, I had known, I could see the signs, I could actually recognize them this time, but I couldn't stop it. Um, I heard this quote a while ago that said like, it's 10 times longer or harder to put yourself back together um, than it is to fall apart. I think that was one of the hardest things was like knowing otherwise and knowing better and knowing that it was completely illogical and knowing how bad it was to myself, but disconnecting that and not being able to put it back together again. I think during lockdowns, um, seeing my eating disorders presented in a different way also forced me to have a different type of healing. I was a lot more kind to myself after the relapse. I kept finding myself thinking similar intrusive thoughts that I did before, but I really just sort of paved a new way. I built new healing routines. Um, we had these like really lovely sessions where my friends would all call each other. We'd have these communal meals just digitally. I reevaluated a lot of the content I was consuming on social media. Um, I'd already done that once in my life, but I think lockdowns really made me have to do it again. And I reshaped some of the old recovery strategies that I had before. I think if I could sort of go back and tell my younger self a number of things, it would be that anybody can have an eating disorder, any age, any gender, any financial status, nationality, you get my drift. <laughs> eating disorders aren't struck to one sort of percentage of the population. And eating disorders isn't that not always about just being skinny. Everyone's situation is completely different. It could be for a number of reasons. And I think for me, like mine was mainly about control. I think looking back though, for someone who grew up without really ever hearing someone else say that they were proud of me, it's incredibly hard to be okay with your own achievements. But I think I am proud of myself. And this isn't because I've reached an ultimate goal. Like everything is fixed and it, I'll never struggle with this again. But I'm really proud of every step that I've taken along the way. It wasn't my struggles or the trauma that made me stronger or kinder or more empathetic towards others or to myself. It was how I handled it. That credit is mine and I'm proud of myself for it.
if anyone who's listening to this today is struggling, I'd like to say something to you. You're not too broken to get better. You are not a failure for wanting help. And you are definitely not alone. Thanks so much. Well, that's the end of today's episode. Please subscribe, leave us a comment or a review. If you would also like to learn more about Body Matters services, you can check out our website at bodymatters.com.au. Thanks for listening.